0: Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I want to start by asking you a question, and this is not a rhetorical question. I want you to think about your life for a second, and I want you to think, who are you leading right now? Who is under your leadership? Maybe for some of you, you're like, you know what, I'm leading three kids under the age of 10. Maybe some of you are leading teenagers, either um, your own or somebody else's, you're a teacher. Maybe some of you, you have some people at at work, some coworkers that you know that God is just inviting you. They they might be wandering right now or a little lost. Are they just they they, they have a, a need that's risen to the surface, and you see this as an opportunity? You're leading them. You're leading them somewhere. Or maybe some of you, your students, and um, you have some friends, at, you know, at your lunch table, and you sense like I am sensing that they are are ripe for leadership, and I'm taking them somewhere with me. And I want you to think about this for a second because I am a hundred percent sure that you are leading. That somewhere in your life right now, and maybe before this moment, you didn't really think of yourself as a leader. You think of a leader and you think, you know, like dynamic personality, CEO. You think, um, you know, someone who has been trained, equipped or whatever. But I want to kind of shift that thought for a second. And I want to say, I want to press against it and say, listen, you, as someone who carries the kingdom of God, are bringing the influence of God That's just inherent in that kingdom to your world, that wherever you are, you are leading, that that is just a nature of the kingdom. We see it described as something like like yeast or we see it described as like a mustard seed. Or uh, uh like a lamp and the concept and all these things is that there's influence. There is it, it it presses into that around it and it multiplies. That's the very nature of the kingdom is multiplication, right? And the kingdom in us we know is multiplying and we are on our trajectory somewhere. Right, it can look very, very small for right now, but we know ultimately there is division, multiplication, and it gets much bigger. It spreads out. That's the nature of the kingdom. And so I can tell you right now, for 100%, I'm 100% certain that as someone who carries the kingdom, you are leading. And not only that, not only are you leading because of the kingdom in you, the people around you are desperate to be led whether you can, can see it firsthand or not, that people around you are desperate, that people are facing uncertainty, that our world, we are in a culture of wondering uncertainty, that people around you are wondering what is ahead. And it's not just a mild wonder. In some ways, it can be a really crushing wonder. What is around the corner? In the shifting landscape of, of our life, of our culture, there are so many people wondering what is ahead And will I be okay? And will my family be okay? Will we like what is out in front of us? Will we be able to thrive in what is out ahead of us? So how can you lead? What do you have to offer those people that, again, I know are around you, that are desperate to be led, with this kingdom in you, what can you offer them? Are you in touch with your leadership abilities, your leadership strength? I want to I want to um, just dig into a little bit of what you can offer as a leader in this day and in, in this age. And I want to do this by sharing an incredible leadership moment in Scripture. So we are going to dive into a story in the Old Testament, um, and I'm going to give you some of the Scripture. Some of it I'll read, some of it will be here, and some of it I'll skim, okay? But if you have a Bible um, or an app, open it up to Numbers 13. I love for you to see the story in front of you. Numbers 13. And here we are, and the Israelites are on the brink of the promised land that they have gone through. The wilderness is behind them. The 40 years of wandering are behind them. They've left Egypt that's behind them. They're on the brink of heading into the promised land. And we hit Numbers 13. And in this part of the story, Moses is sending some spies out to go look at the land that's out in front of them. And I want to read this first little bit in Numbers 13. starts in verse 1. Here's what happens. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So here's the plan. It's already been laid out really clearly. This land of Canaan's in front of you, and God has said, I'm giving it to you. Here's your part. I want you to send some men. And specifically, he said, pick some leaders. Pick some leaders to go. That's who I'm calling to go on this mission. And so Moses does that, and we get the name of these leaders from each of the tribes that he sends. And um, and Moses um, takes these leaders, and he's like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go look at the land, and I want you to go... Check it out. Come back and tell us what's the soil like? What are the towns like? Are they fortified? What are the people that, that live there? What are they like? And, and what kind of produce is growing there? Like, what can we expect when we settle in into this promised land? What might it be like? And so they go. In verse 23, we see that they go. They go out and they explore the land and they bring back a souvenir. <laughs> From the trip, it's not a t-shirt, but they bring back, they take off a cluster, it's like grape season, and they take off a cluster cluster of the grapes, and they are so big that it takes two men to carry one cluster of grapes between two poles. Like you, watermelon grapes, I guess, they're the hybrid, right? So two men to carry this pole, and they bring back this fruit, and then they get back from this journey with their souvenirs, and here's what happens in verse 26. These 10 spies, these 10 leaders, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But then they gave him this other side of the story. They go on and they say, but, but, the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in, um, in okay, the they live there, whatever. So these giants are living in this land, and they come back with this, this report. Yep, the people there are so, so big, so, so big, good fruit, huge people in the land. And then Caleb pipes in, and here's his part of the report. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. That's Caleb's bottom line, right? But then there's this other side, this other contingency. These other men that had gone with them, they come, they come in, and they say this. They're like this. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And they go on to say, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, this is some big language. I was reading this, and they're like, we saw this land, and it devours the people living in it, right? Like, this is, like, serious. And I'm like, really? You saw the land devouring people, right? But they're they making—this isn't—there's no maybe. There's no possibility in this report, this bad report about the land. They're like, this is going to be devastating. It is so, so bad. It is so bad. Okay, so that's their bad report, their bad report. And here is the result of this bad report from these leaders in 14.1. It says this, that night, all the people in the community, all the Israelites, they raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. If only we had died, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the swords? We will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back? We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. We should choose a leader and go back. And so then, this is almost the end of the story. Hang with me here. Joshua and Caleb, again, were were amongst those ones who explored. They, in verse 16, we see this. They tear their clothes. clothes. They're so distraught over this, these Israelites who want to go back to Egypt, back. They want to die in Egypt. They'd rather go back. And this is what they, this is what it says in verse six, that Joshua and Caleb were among those who explored the land. They tore their, their clothes and said, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. He will give it to us. They said, Do not be afraid of those people. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. So here is the situation. We have these these spies that have gone out, ten spies, all of them leaders. We hit we heard that already. All of them were chosen for this mission based on their resume. Based on their proven track record, all of them were picked out of their tribes because they had leadership on them, all of them, all 10. The same, same they have come from the same background, the same qualifications, right? And here we have eight of them saying, we have to go back. We have to go back to Egypt. We cannot move forward. Yes, God said he's giving us this land. You know, yep, there is milk and honey and massive fruit. But we cannot move forward. We can't. We have to go back. And then we have the, these two, these two, Joshua and Caleb are saying, we can do this. We, we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. Like we're going to swallow them up. And so here is my question. Here's my leadership dilemma. Same eyeballs, right? They are in the same land. They're exploring the same, the same uh, territory. They see the same thing, but radically Different leadership, radically different outcomes. Two who are saying we must go forward because God is with us, and there is a destiny out in front of us that is glorious. It's gonna be amazing. You you can't even believe the fruit is there. And then eight who are saying, let's just turn around, let's just cash it all in. Let's go back to what we knew before, even though it might mean death, and even though it might mean slavery, that's gonna be better than going ahead. What's the difference? between these two leadership experiences? And how do we, people who are called to lead, who are leading, end up on the side of exceedingly good, right? How do we end up in the Caleb Joshua camp with Caleb and Joshua leadership pulsing through our veins where we can stand in front of people and say, guys, what God has promised out ahead it's good. In fact, it's exceedingly good. We don't have to be afraid. We can look out to that same land and see Milk and honey. How, how do we become those kinds of leaders? How do we lead people there? Because here's the deal, you guys. This situation, just like all a scripture was given to us because it replays in our day. It replays in our current situation, in the ground of our lives. You guys, we can easily, there are so many voices we can look ahead and we can say, it seems so hopeless. It seems so hopeless, right? And just like this group of people, they didn't deny, Joshua and Caleb didn't deny that there were giants in the land. It wasn't blind faith. They didn't look at that land and go, all clear, no, they saw that there were giants on it. But yet, but yeah, right. So we have a group of people where it's so easy to look ahead and go, it's all unraveling, right? Like this the nation, the our, our div- the divisiveness, the politics, I, the school curriculum. Like I, you guys, yes, I get it. The violence in our cities, right? We can look ahead, and it's so uncertain. And there's so much. There's so many giants in the land in front of us, right? And maybe it's closer to home. And maybe there's just you, you know, again, like a relationship where you just feel like I can't win. I can't get ahead. I I can't get out of this financial crisis, whatever it is. I can look out at the landscape of my life. And it can look impossible, absolutely impossible. Like that land is devouring everything up, right? In these circumstances, they shout, fear, worry, turn back it is not going to be good. They shout at us. But yet God says, but yet God says he's restoring all things, right? Yet God says he's building his church, Yet God said that his glory is covering, it's, it's spreading out over the earth. Yet God says he's coming back for a spotless bride, right? So we have these two things that kind of yell at us, just like this picture of this land in front of these leaders. So what report do we give? What report? Do we give that is truly the question on the table we can be leaders we can be bad report leaders and we can be good report leaders looking at the same landscape you guys What report do we give and I want to know Okay, so you know, I'm I'm asking the Lord. Okay, so how I I want to be a good report leader I want to stand in front of people and I want to lead them into destiny because yes destiny is impossible on paper and so here's what I see in the scripture. It's going to offer us, I think, God's insight. And we see God's response in, number, in Numbers 14, 24. Here's what he says. Here's God's answer. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And I feel like God just highlighted the scripture to me because here is my man, Caleb, and here is how God describes him. He is a different spirit. He is a different spirit. And I see that, that word, and I'm like, okay, God, what does that mean? I want one of those, and I want all of my people to have one of those, a different spirit. And so um, sometimes when I see a word like that in Scripture, I can go two different ways. And one option is I can look at the story, and I can try to pull context. What does that mean to have a different spirit? Or I, I can dive right into that word, what that word was in the Hebrew. And so in this case, I looked at what that word means in the Hebrew, and I see this. I see that that word actually means another or following, but it comes from this root word that means to remain behind or one coming behind. So here's what I think Caleb described as a man of a different spirit, that Caleb was found remaining behind God. That he was one who was always found coming up behind God, that he was, that God was always out in front of him and he was just positioned, tucked in behind God, that he had a different spirit. He was following behind God. And this is the only leadership insight that I can see in this story is that he's described this way time and time again, found remaining behind God. And I picture it like Ali the dog. Kevin's family grew up with sheepdogs, and we had kind of one after another, and, um, and Ollie was, was, uh, was his last, Jim, Kevin's dad's last sheepdog, and everywhere Jim was, Ollie was. Everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Jim went. Ollie went. In fact, um, one time I tried to take Ollie for a walk. I thought dogs like to walk, right? I, I couldn't get Ollie down the driveway. Like he just dug in. Like Jim is in that house. You aren't taking me on a walk, right? Like Jim goes to the grocery store. Ollie goes to the grocery store. Ollie likes to sit right in between the two captain chairs and the minivan. Jim goes out to dinner. Ali goes out to dinner. Jim gets Ali a kid's meal under the table. That's, they just remained behind, remained behind everywhere he went. Okay. So that's Ali, but okay. What does the Bible say about God being out in front of us? Well, I started looking this up and it is everywhere in scripture, you guys, that we find God out ahead of us all the time. We find God out ahead of us actually in time actually in physical time, that we know that God isn't bound by time and space, that he is, and this gets like trippy. Do you guys ever think about this for a while? Like, oh my goodness, like he's actually in eternity, but he's here. Like, ah, it gets like my brain all tied up sometimes. But, but here's what it says in Psalm 90. Look at this. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Outside of time, the best way we can describe it is just everlasting to everlasting. Like you can't fit into time because God existed before time, but he's also firmly planted in eternity, right? He's firmly planted outside of the timeline. I love Justice this song she picked, there's something about you turn the page, you know, like, you know, only you hold all the timing together that you're doing it from eternity, That means whatever circumstance I'm in is time-bound, but God is in eternity, holding eternity, my eternity, firmly secure in the midst of my circumstance, in the midst of your time. He's outside of it, holding something steady and secure. Not only that, not only that, we can remain behind a God who is already reigning from eternity towards today. Look at what Jesus says in John 14, 3. Jesus promises this. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so you may also be where I am. Isn't that amazing? Like, here's why he went out ahead. He went out ahead so he can come back and get us and take us there. Like, isn't that so cool? Like, I love the picture of that. I'm going to come back to get you so you can go with me into eternity. That even the thing, that circumstance that seems so final, the thing that we, we so fear on this earth, even death, even death, we sang it this morning it's it, the sting has been removed we, we We already have a victory because Jesus has gone ahead to prepare to come get us. We remain behind this God. we remain behind him, and so here 's the deal, you guys when the power and glory and strength and might of God. The eternal one, the one from everlasting to everlasting is out in front of us when he is, is ahead of us in all things. We have a different spirit, don't we? We have a different spirit. It looks like peace when you walk into a dark room. It looks like, um, it it looks like confidence in the unfinished business of this world. It looks like a happy ending in the middle of the story. It looks like, you know what? I know. I know there's some mystery around this thing. I know it's not all wrapped up yet, but yet, but yet I can stand secure in the fact that it's still being worked out towards my good. It's still being worked out. It just hasn't gotten completed yet, right? That's the different spirit. It's a different spirit that we're invited to walk in, 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 in this earth. We can walk in this different spirit because God is out In front of of us, and when we remain behind God, here's what I see. You lead others into fruitful places, don't you? When God, when you are following behind God and you carry this different spirit, you lead others into impossible victory. You do. When God is always ahead of you, you get to lead people into the exceedingly good You guys, this world is desperate for a good report. It is desperate for someone who will stand in front of them with the exceedingly good. And I believe there are many different leadership styles, but I believe one matters most to God, different spirit. Different spirit. And I I hear him speaking over us as his church. I hear him, the identity that he is pressing into us is one of different spirit different spirit that we be called out of even guys even what the american church you know like would stand in front of people and offer i believe he's asking us to get risky risky and what will stand in front of people with a different spirit that we will let rest on our lives guys it made all the difference in this story didn't it it made all the difference it's going to make all the difference as you lead people around you so here's my ask here's my ask i believe that caleb didn't just, in this moment of crisis, decide to have a different spirit. I believe he was practiced. My hunch is that day in and day out, in the soil of his life, that he practiced remaining behind God. And he practiced it until it was ingrained in him, and it it was just a part of him. It was just his major descriptor, right? Like when you describe someone, what are they like? Well, they're like how they are all day long, right? Like that's really who you are. And I believe that anywhere in season, out of season, he was just found coming up behind God. That he just stayed in his place, tucked in behind the God who was from everlasting to everlasting. And he stayed put in that position. And then when there came one of these big moments of like, hey, we can turn a whole nation towards destiny. He could just step into it because he'd already been doing it. He'd already been doing it in the, the ins and outs when he was doing dishes and when he was, you know, playing chess, right? Already doing it. And so what I'm asking for us, guys, is that we would become a regular just behind God, that we would remain behind him, that we would be like David, who David um, was another leader, I think, who had a different spirit, even though God didn't use those words. He also stood in front of a giant, didn't he? But David was one who uh, I can see this different spirit alive and well in him, and he's going to give us Well, one thing we don't have from Caleb, but we have from David is we have some of the confessions of David's inner life, don't we? That we can read in the Psalms. And here's what it says. I want you to hear these words that David wrote. And I consider them like a treasure map. I feel like he went ahead of us and he's gonna be like right here, like X marks the spot. Like here's where you're gonna find what you need for this life. And here's what David said in Psalm 139. And this is the passion translation. And I want us to key in on this. Listen to what David writes, You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. You have laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where can I go from your spirit? Where could I run? And hide from your face. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. Here's my ask. I'm asking that we would begin to make these words our confession, that we would begin to ask God, God, I I want to know these words in my life, but that we would confess this until it becomes our confession. That maybe this week we spend some time meditating on this Psalm 139, that we write, maybe we write it out, but that we come back to it, we come back to it, that when we get to a point where I, I want us to be able to say, you know what, I've been there a thousand times already. I've been there, this is a regular place for me, this is a regular confession, I'm a regular around here. If someone asks me, you know, where should I where should I hike? Is there a trail around here? You know what, I can tell them where to hike because kevin and i go to the forest reserve all the time and walk the trails and i can tell them where to park and which way to go if they want to go uh uh-uh, if they want like a gravelly road i can tell them which way to go if they want a short walk which way if they want to get off right i've been there a thousand times david who's been there he's handing us this map and i want this for you too for you to say i've been here a thousand times there is nowhere i can't i can go where your presence isn't with me god there's nowhere. If I go to the heights, if I go to the depths, anywhere I go, I remain behind you because I've been there a thousand times. And then in the moment of leadership moment, of decision, of crisis, where people are saying, we should go back. No, we should go back. There's, it's too costly. There's too, it's too scary out ahead. Or we can stand, just stand in the deference spirit that God intended for your life and say, so we must go on. It's exceedingly good. What God has for you is exceedingly good. And I know that it looks like there's a lot of to be afraid of, but you know what? In comparison to God, that's, the protection is gone. I love that about, about those giants. Their protection is actually gone compared to the refuge of God, the protection of God. Here's the deal, you guys. Next time you find yourself and you're trying to figure out where you're going or which way to go, Maybe you're standing in front of someone who seems to be a crisis and they're trying to figure out which way to go. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to open up the treasure map of Psalm 139. I'm asking you to confess it over yourself. I'm asking you to confess it over people around you. Because again, you guys, the world needs a good report. and I believe God is asking, will you give the good report? Will you give the good report of my promises? Will you give the good report of the destiny that's coming towards you? Will you give the good report of my, my strength, my power, my grace, my mercy, my kindness? Because you've been there a thousand times. You've already been there a thousand times. You're a regular. So that's my ask. That is my prayer that we would be as a people, that we would just show up in this identity. You're one of a different spirit. That you carry a different spirit. I want you to take it, like, this is really personal, guys. I've heard it, God speak it over me. I've, I've seen him speak it over me in situations where I'm like, I don't know if I can do what you're asking me to do. And just say, Molly, Molly, you have a different spirit. You have a different spirit. So why don't we stand up? And I want to pray that over you. I want to pray that I could give away where God's given me in this area, in this leadership area. Because again, it's not for just the person who stands on the platform. It's not the person with the microphone. Wherever you are, you're leading. You're leading people into the good report. Can we do that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's just get in a position where we just love to receive because the deal is, guys, that this is all God's business. It's all God's work. It's all God's future. Every circumstance, every place we find ourselves is his And so, Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence right now. We welcome you to change our minds. We welcome you to press identity into us right now. We welcome you to call us out to be in the Joshua and Caleb side of leadership right now. God speaks over you. You have a different spirit. You lead your family with a different spirit. You lead people around you at work with a different spirit. You lead your department in a different spirit. You lead your friends with a different spirit. You you lead your kids with a different spirit. It's who you are. You remain behind the everlasting God. You remain behind the one who conquered the grave. You you remain behind the one who has stripped the enemy of his power. You remain behind the one who says, I'm working all things for good. You remain behind the one who holds all things in his hands, all things in his hands. And I know there's mystery, and I know there's giants in the land. I know. I know they're there. He knows they're there. God says, he says, I promise good, I promise good, I promise victory. And so God let us learn the confession that David did, that there's nowhere we can go from your presence because we've been there, we still found you. We've been there and we still found your faithfulness. We've been there and we still found your goodness. That this thing comes up with with us on top still. So I bless us, church. I bless us, church, to carry a different spirit. Right now, I bless us to say it doesn't have to look like what the world presses in. It doesn't have to look like the latest, you know, expert. It doesn't have to look like those things. Press in your ways, God. Press in your ways right now over us. Guys, okay, so he's just asking, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you follow me into the future? Will you follow me in, into tonight? You know, it's just it's, it's a day, it's a day by day, it's a moment by moment. So he's just asking just for your yes again today. Yes, I'll remain behind you. I'll remain just tucked in behind you.